Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. the banger what's up <laughs> drew i it just occurred to me that we're kind of matching a little bit in our own way i mean what i'm doing is my i'm cosplaying as oliver reed from tommy i'll bring up a photo of what i'm looking like <gasps> this is always what i think of when i wear that outfit um <laughs> really? i'm doing oliver reed doing his holiday camp look from tommy um mm -hmm. but what about you what was the vibe you were going for today um i uh, the vibe I was going for was putting on a bra earlier. Ooh, girl, and don't I, even tempt me with a good time. <laughs> and I was like, well, I gotta wear a, I guess I gotta wear a bra. That means I gotta wear a shirt. Damn it, clothes. You know what? This is it. <laughs> this is the whole look. This is this is the look. It's just me. Like there's nothing. I'm just wearing yeah. I'm just wearing like uh, booty shorts underneath this. It's just it's just a nice piped jacket. And uh, I, I was trying to make this reference today. Like, everyone's like, oh, this looks nice and nice outfit you're wearing. And I'm like, I'm Oliver Reed and Tommy. But like, no one gets that. Nobody, except for, like a really <laughs> weird theater nerd, not even theater nerd, like a really weird musical, but for only movies nerd would get this. So mm -hmm. that's what I thought I when I bought the jacket. I'm totally here for it. I'd wear that outfit. Absolutely. Yeah. With, I, I specifically like it with the like Hawaiian shorts underneath. That's mm -hmm. that's not what I'm that's doing an here. absolute necessity. Thank you, William Harold saying that's a look. Thank you, William. <laughs> Guys, we have oh we we have a whole thing going on here. We have a great show for you this evening, but we especially have um our streamlabs that you can donate for and to and send us little comments and tips and what have you. It's a new year, it's a new dawn, it's a new day. And it's a new tip jar. So streamlabs.com backslash video drew. You can also send in super chats in the comments um, and we'll read them out loud. Uh, yeah, I need to try the jackets and shorts. Everyone needs to try jackets. If you are going to work remotely and zooming in with like actual pants on, you're a fool. You are a fool. Or or if, you're, if you live somewhere like say Florida or Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're cold, put on your pajama pants. I went like, to Target you know, recently. One real close there. Like, to be honest, on. I went to Target recently, and there is literally zero pants that were not like leisure wear pants. And I was like, I'm for this. <laughs> I'm for this. And that they weren't like bad pants. Like they weren't like cheap or whatever. Like Target has some really nice lines. They collaborate with like huge name designers. Yeah. It's just everything right now is like like pajama pants because we've all gotten pandemic 
given up. But, I mean, like, who wants to wear real pants now? Like, willingly wear nice pants. I forget what that What's fabric feels pants? like. Like, I forget what jean fabric feels like against my skin, and I'm in no rush to find out. I... I can't tell you the last time I've actually worn jeans, like true jeans. But also on top of that, I work at like a, a gym kind of environment situation mm -hmm. where literally my uniform is to wear black yoga pants. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you start that, you're like, why did I ever wear anything other than? <laughs> Especially coming from my background working in HR where I would literally wear a blazer every single day. I mean, I feel you on people this. to take me more seriously. Yeah, I feel you on this. I feel you. I feel like business on top, bottom, whatever. I'm saying that today, having worn these actual slacks, trouser things, uh, but having worn them, I'm realizing I'm getting like nacho cheese on them. Like I'm, you know, getting grass on them as I roll around the ground with the puppies. Like they're going to get messy. There's like the one nice pair of slack I own that in case the world ever picks up, uh, I can wear out to a business function. No. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Alex, we are coming to the end. We are closing the chapter for now on our Mangolden Age of Cinema Bias, the very last film of James Mangold uh, filmography that we can talk about until Indiana Jones and the Curse of Getting Super Old comes out whenever that's slated. Um, the Curse of the Really Young Co-Star. I don't know what we'll call this next movie. I, I like to call the think of the next one as uh, Indiana Ravenwood. <laughs> Nice. More hurting. than anything, because at this point he's married to Marion Ravenwood, who yes. I think is such an interesting character that does Great not character. get enough screen time. Does not. Um, Do not think he's become. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this tenured professor of belonging to museums uh, is going to be as woke as taking his wife's name. But like, we never know. Oh, maybe, totally. maybe, she, maybe she dies in the story, and he's a widow. Widower, maybe. <laughs> I can no. see that. And she's I mean, so I agree. Cool. Her and. Uh, uh, what what's her? It's not she's not Karen Allen, but she looks a lot like Karen Allen, or is it Karen Allen who plays the? Her, well, I know Karen Allen is the actress that played. Oh, so Mary. it is Karen Allen. Okay, good. Okay, mm -hmm. from you know, uh, you remember her from the Hottie with the Body, from wait, what's that movie called? Yeah, Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. Yeah, so you're totally right. I remember thinking the name. Damn. <laughs> but there's the other chicks that looks like her. Jessica Harper looks a lot like her too. And so like that's kind of confusing for me. But anyway, we're talking about today. I don't know how I got on this harp, uh this pen, this thing about oh yeah, I remember now, because he's gonna do the new Indiana Jones. But we are talking tonight about Ford, Capital V, no period, Ferrari. I know that punctuation really bothers you, Alex. Ford wait, v, no, Ferrari. Do it the other way. Wait, no, wait. Um, uh, yeah, wait, shoot. I'm just gonna do the Ford V Ferrari thing, and the only to realize every no matter what, I'm gonna do it backwards. Here, Ford, <laughs> it's it's F. Wait, am I doing backwards? No, that's backwards. F, F right? <laughs> like there, it's, it's like F. there you go. Um, there you go. F V Ford. There we Ferrari. go. Oh, they're both Fs. <laughs> I don't care. You know what? Here's a bigger point. I don't care. Um, this movie mm -hmm. is not about a legal battle between definitely not companies. Although you made a really good point last week that it should have been. It stars Matt Damon and Christian Bale's British accent, which was very surprising to me. It's been, I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie besides The Prestige where he's allowed to have a British accent. So this movie was very interesting to watch because it's like kind of like watching like a, well, like he's a speak English. Wait, is he British? I thought he was Australian. No, he's British. Oh, I stand corrected. I think. Yeah, yeah he's British. 
almost 100 percent sure someone from the chat please let us know what is his ethnicity you know who is you know who is like uh australian though who or like south african or australian is kate blanchett which i was really confused by kate blanchett i know for a fact he's english he's english he's english i was right and he's not that much older than me, I guess, which is also... No, he's like a decade older than me. I guess that's kind of older than me. Uh, he is uh, born in Pembrokeshire to English parents. Jenny James, a circus performer, and David Bale, an entrepreneur and activist. Oh. He was born in Wales, but he's not Welsh. He's English. Sounds like a kind of distinction he'd like to make. He was grandfather was a stand-up comedian, and the other mm-hmm. was a stand-in for actor John Wayne. Now, that's cool. I think I remember that at some point, yeah. That's so cool. And he performed opposite Rowan Atkinson in school plays. Uh, that's crazy. Nuts. Anyway, guys, welcome to Cinema Bias, where we're going to be talking about the very last episode of The Mangolden Age. James Mangold, what do we think, Alex? James Mangold is a director, guys. If you don't know, he's done quite a variety of different projects with different genres. He also has a lot of favorite actors and actors that he likes to work with, such as Hugh Jackman or Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. But this is a director that likes to experiment. He likes to challenge himself, um, whether it be when it comes to writing, where he's mm-hmm. written a handful of pro- he's uh, written a handful of his projects, such as Heavy, his directorial debut, or even um, watch call it uh, the one with the time traveler. Oh, he whatever, like Leopold, Kate and Leopold? Kate and Leopold's that one, uh, which was a first yeah. collaboration with Hugh Jackman. But yeah, this is a director that likes to change it up. He likes to challenge himself. He's comfortable working with, um, as well as like Christian Bale. He likes to do Westerns. He likes to re- do reference a lot of older movies as well. So he's definitely a true film fan. And I feel like that really comes through in this filmography. What do you think? Um... Yeah, I would say that James Mangold is an interesting director. He's certainly not the same kind of person uh, or like takes the same kind of different kinds of films. He does do a lot of different kinds, but Mm -hmm. we're comparing his work with the work of our previous and inaugural, uh, you know, holistic Mm -hmm. view of someone's oeuvre. We started with John and Patrick Shanley and the Shanley songs. And that guy... He went, he went all over the place. We went from Congo to doubt to like, you know, uh, that well, weird <laughs> to Moonstruck to like the, the January but, man. I mean, goddamn, he was all over the place. We did notice a few themes. Yes. We did notice some themes when it comes to um, what masculinity is. As is with uh, like a, finding a theme throughout his films, but also men that are more emotionally vulnerable, more emotionally. Wait, are saying between the two of them? Are we saying between John Patrick and James Mangold, or just in John Patrick? Oh, um, with Sean Lyson, with the Sean Lysons. We kind of know oh, yeah, that no, no. pattern. No, no, absolutely. Um, there's a, a, there was a pattern with him, and I think there's a pattern in Mangold too. And one could argue mm-hmm. there there are similar patterns about masculinity. Yeah. About exploring those themes of of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a father, and this what it is to yes. be a race car driver who's bad at it, I guess, or good at it. I'm unclear what what the hell is going on in that movie. Uh, but and most importantly, what it's like to be a guy who works technically for a car company, but like not on like an insurance level, like on like a gig economy kind of way. Um, yeah. And how great that is for the car company, I guess. What a what a heroic story of John Barenthal recruiting Matt Damon to recruit christian bale to uh die in a fucking fire in one of their cars 
Spoiler alert. Spoiler, it's it's a movie that's been out for several years, but on top yeah. of that, it's a biopic, obviously based on a true story situation, centered on the friendship relationship between Ken Miller and oh shoot, I forgot the other guy's name. I feel John awful. Ferrari. I get, um, I, I will say I kept saying John Ford when they were talking about the car guy, and like Eric was like, That's not his name, that's a different guy. Definitely a very different guy. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, they do um, end up talking to the um, the man that owns the pres. I guess the president or CEO or whatever his name that owns Ford, mm-hmm. um, Ten Miles and Carol Shelby. Uh, mm-hmm. Carol Shelby is played by Matt Damon, and Christian Bell plays Ken Miles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just really about their friendship, the evolution of their friendship, and it's not like their origin story obviously mm-hmm. it's more about how they initially they they were friends at some point they broke up and now they're coming back together as friends again so mm-hmm. it's it's uh, kind of an interesting story with these two middle-aged men trying to figure some shit out <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's an interesting story it's uh it's definitely got one of those like Hawkeye slash Dom Toretto's baby's mama. Like it's got a girl in it. Like I'm sorry, a woman in it. Who's Christian Bale's uh, wife. Who's just got like the chillest outlook about like his lifestyle. Like this is a guy who races cars for a living. And when his garage gets shut down, you would think her thing is like time to get a real job, honey. But instead she like flips out when he decides to get a real job. And she's like, no, you're too good at racing. Go back to racing. And it's like such a weird character beat that I almost got to respect it as like maybe even like a feminist, like a feminist move and not just like a poorly written character. I actually really enjoyed, actually, she was actually one of my favorite characters. She's great. She was pretty good. And then she got that whole racing scene where she's just like speeding down the like the the highway because he like won't tell her like why he was out the night before because he was out Mm -hmm. like testing a car. But she like, I guess, thinks he was cheating on her and she's just just slamming on the fucking gas. It's pretty Mm -hmm. good. Mm hmm. And like when the guys were fighting, and like in the front yard, like across the street, kind oh, yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and she just like whips out like a coke and like a lawn chair, and she's like, "Okay, they yeah, guys fight it out, like physically fight it out." And she's I mean, just getting ready with a coke. Enough, and she, she is very, she's a very cool girl. <laughs> she's definitely the cool girl. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, I know she has, she's Irish. She's like a she's hugely famous on Outlander. Um, she's been in a hand. She's on most recent. She's also in this most recently uh, the movie Belfast, directed by Kenneth Branagh. So obviously she has had a lot of success. But I can't for the life of me figure out how to say her name. It's not Katriana, even though it's how it's spelled, because mm. it's an Irish name, and I never that's never how it's actually pronounced. But. Dana, did she steal the fucking show? On um, it's very hard to steal a show from Christian Bale. Oh, I can't remember. Elena is the name of the baby mama. I'm like the Brazilian cop, you know, the one who's just like she was like, I was gonna tell you we're gonna have a kid, like I was gonna have your kid, but I decided to let you go on your honeymoon with your supposedly dead wife before that. And then she's like, I'm gonna die now. It's okay. It's just like whatever, man. <laughs> Too chill for school. Okay, uh, Alex, had you had you seen this movie in theaters? Did you? Did you? I did not see this movie in theaters. Um, she is not married to Chris Hemsworth. You're thinking about someone else entirely. Uh, you're, oh, Elena? 
Wait, yeah. the chick played Elena is married to Chris Hemsworth? That's crazy. Wait, what? I have to Google that. Yeah, you're thinking about some. I, yeah, there's a there's another woman named Elaine or something, but she that she is married to Chris Hemsworth. She's been with him for like almost 15 years, but and they have like three or four. Elsa kids Pat Pataski. But as far as I no, remember, no, 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 I don't no. he's saying that she, she the Dom's baby mama in real life is married to Chris Hemsworth is what he's saying. Which is oh, forget me. I'm. I thought you were talking about like characters or something. So forget yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She also was engaged to Adrian Brody. So. Oh my God! Weird. 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 This is like blowing my mind. I can't. I need to take a minute. Chris Hemsworth is married to. Okay. Well, we'll just keep going, and then I'll just deal anyway. with this <laughs> issue later. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay, so I did not see this movie in theaters. I saw this movie when it finally came out, like on HBO Max or something, last year. And I watched it because um, my husband, Lucas, actually suggested it. I was trying to watch a few more sports movies, like, for the month. Mm -hmm. So I watched, like, Hoosiers and a few other movies. Um, Hoosier. I hated Hoosiers. But... I hated Hoosiers, too. You know why? Because, like... Um, that's a dumb movie. And Dennis Hopper, like as the drunk, uh, alcoholic father was like clearly the best part of that film. <laughs> like we should have been like, that should have been the focus of the film, not the rest of the stupid team and the stupid, I can't remember what sports they were playing in Hoosiers or where it took place. Despite Basketball, it being Indiana. Hoosier. Indiana, that makes sense. Cause the Hoosiers, that's like, my brain will not retain that info. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just a schmodown question waiting to happen in what state. <laughs> I mean, I've been definitely asked it before and every time I forget. On like on purpose. It's not a great movie. It's just really not a great movie. I, I think it's a horrible message. But anyway, we're getting off topic. So I watched a bunch of sports dramas. And so I watched this one. And I had a huge bias going into it because one, I'm not a huge sports movie person. I didn't grow up playing sports. I was surrounded by a very athletic family. But I didn't um, watch sports movies all that much growing up. And also I went into this movie being like, it's about two guys and their relationship and they're middle-aged. I don't want to <laughs> watch this. It's, it's probably going to be about trying to, them trying to one up each other and being like, have it like a dick measuring contest. And I was not all about that. And my husband literally was like, no, chill. It's not about that. Definitely not about that. Just, just go watch it. And I was very much delighted. There's, I think, a lot to enjoy about this movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but it's something I was very surprised by how much I really gravitate, gravitated towards the story a lot more than I thought. Yeah. What about you? Um, I did not connect to this one as much. I forget that racing is considered a sport, even though you're not technically moving. I mean, it's, it's, very, very it's very, very physical. Race car drivers, when they race, they can lose over a thousand calories in like 30 minutes. It's well, intense. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of it starts out with Matt Damon unable to race because he like has something wrong with his heart, which makes sense. Having been in some terrible car accidents in my life, that shit yeah. will fuck you up. And like we see Christian Bale catch on fire, not one, but twice over the course of the film. I'm just saying. I guess I don't know that much about NASCAR or whatever, but like, I don't think you have to be in particularly good shit. I guess I don't know. I don't actually know. I'm talking on my you, ass here. I, I just don't think about it as a sport, but you're right. It, it is a sport. You're going very, very fast in a room from car. It's as much mm -hmm. of a sport as like downhill, like Bob sledding or anything else like that. This was like such a weird race. I had never even heard of this race before, but I was like, that can't be right. It's a 24 hour race. 
it lasts yeah. 3,000 miles. That mm -hmm. doesn't even feel like a race. That feels like, I mean, I guess a marathon's still a race, but it feels like not a race anymore once you what, do that much. How do you feel about long distance running? I feel like you should quit that shit. <laughs> That's fair. Um, it's it's very, phys it's incredibly physically, um, physically, psychologically taxing. Um, and I do wish it kind of went into a little bit more in this movie, just how physically involved it is, how horrible it is. Well, yeah, um, I mean, it can I be honest, like, this movie doesn't make it seem like it's a very good idea to have a race that goes 24 hours through, like, dark, like, a non-track, like, no rails, like, no, like, what is this race even? Like, this sounds like a terrible it idea. It was the 50s, 40s and 50s, where car crashes and shit, a lot of horrible shit happened all the time. They, right, but even, the, but even then, they have racetracks. They know what racetracks are, and this, and this race is specifically an anomaly because it doesn't go on a track, and it's 3,000 miles in 24 hours, and that just seems antithetical to what the concept of car racing is. Like, it's we do now that. like an endurance we, test. We, we still do that, though. We do that internationally. It's still pr very prevalent. Well, I don't like it. I don't, don't have to like it just because we do it. Yeah, that's don't true. Don't agree with it. Don't, I think that seems like, uh, like a, that's NASCAR in general, it just seems like, again, having come from like the perspective and the bias of like been in some terrible accidents, like the idea of yeah. driving your room room car as fast as possible across like a track and like, well, everyone just kind of flames out and skids out and like hopefully doesn't die. And like a fiery mm -hmm. oil explosion, much like in Dom's father in Fast Nine. Um, mm -hmm. I just have to say, like the whole concept of car racing seems like very, very bad idea, genes to me. So, like, I know that I wasn't going to connect to this movie because, mm -hmm. in by like design, characters in these kind of movies, this Rush, uh, Talladega Nights, The Legend of Ricky Bobby, or whatever. No, the yeah. the Talladega Nights, the story of Ricky Bobby. Yeah, Talladega Nights, the story of Ricky Bobby. Talladega Nights, the story, colon, the story of Rocky Bobby. These are all stories about, like, people who kind of, like, if they don't have a direct death wish, then their, like, death wish is very, like, it's very much like, like, I just need to go vroom, vroom fast, and, like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. be okay with dying at any time. Like, it's just, it's so, it's so non, I'm so not able to connect with that, like, yeah. death wish, that it's, it's hard to watch sometimes. I 100% understand where you're coming from, especially, like you said, having been in several accidents that makes sense and it, that fear of accidents even if it's not your fault whether it be like a car issue or a um or, or a human error kind of thing it's either way it's 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 very terrifying obviously and it, it being taken place during a time where like i mentioned earlier it was expected to a certain extent car, race car drivers once they hit a certain age, they definitely are recommended that they should retire <laughs> because it is so bad. <laughs> but there, bad. Are, Don't do there it. are a lot of very dangerous sports, obviously, and it's all about the adrenaline. It's and from what I've been told from people that do that are into more adrenaline-driven activities, such as extreme rock climbing, bouldering, things like that, or race car driving as well. It's it, it's something that it's not really an option for them. It's something they have to do. It's something that they are raised on and they do take every precaution they can, but it's just something they have to do. Otherwise they get angry and depressed. Essentially. Honestly, gotta, I'm going to say, I got to hate, I'm going to hate that for them. Like, I don't like that for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's, I really, I, I've, I, <laughs> I've asked a handful. I was like, there's so many other stuff out there. You really have so many options, especially now. And they're like, 
I I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's I know yep. the risks. <laughs> but I'm like yikes, yikes to that. Like like honestly, like yikes to that. Uh but yeah. You know, do what you got to do. Uh, what did you think of the performances in this film? I really thought, I, I watched this movie kind of assuming that there was some kind of uh, nomination for Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. I feel like every move, every major movie he's in, he's nominated at some point. Yeah. Um, But he wasn't. I was actually really taken aback at uh, Matt Damon's performance. I thought he actually was really solid as well. Everyone talks about how... Christian Bale, he's a showstopper and everything. But I thought um, Matt Damon, I thought he was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Katriana or whatever her name is. She, I thought she was also pretty darn fantastic as well as John Bernthal. I was yes. like, oh. oh, he's great. His uh, accent vocal. or his vocal fry in this is on point. Like I was very much into his vocal fry. Like his, mm-hmm. his like deep, like, like, I like that. I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty good. And like, good job. Good job, man. And we don't really see him in roles that aren't super like physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean, sorry, the exact opposite. We see him in roles that are very physical, uh, like Punisher or the accountant, things like that. Um, and so it is kind of interesting to see him in a movie that where he's, not like a quiet character by any means, yeah. but he's much more. He's chill. He's more yeah, chill. He's much more subtle than his that versus compared to other previous performances. What do you think? I think so. I think that like you know who you know who was playing the lackey, right? Like the the guy who's like uh the he was first of all. Did you know who was playing Ford? Did you know who was playing Ford? Mm, um, I know his face, not his name. That's Tracy Letts, uh, one of those famous playwrights that we have today, and the guy who looks just like the dude. I was getting confused with the dude from X Three, who's uh, who's Archangel's dad, but like, no, he's a uh, Pulitzer Prize winner. He created August Osage County. That's that was him. He uh, is very very famous Pulitzer Prize winning, Tony Award winning uh, director. I mean, director, writer, and um, he did the play. He did the movie Bug, or he did the play Bug, and. Uh, Kill, Killer Joe and August Osage County. Yes. Wait, Killer Joe? Isn't that the one with like Matthew McConaughey? Yep. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he did, he wrote all three of them and did them all for the stage. Then he uh, and August Osage County, and then he was mm-hmm. you know they were adapted and he wrote the screenplays for them. He is a very famous theater dude. And then his the guy who was playing the the sort of bad dude, the bad dude mm-hmm. at the company, who was like his second in command. Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas. Mm-hmm. Josh Lucas. It's been like a hot minute since we've seen Josh Lucas do anything. I think like what, Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> like, I don't know the last time I, I saw Josh Lucas. I, I, every time I see Josh Lucas for a split second, I'm reminded of American Psycho. <laughs> I can't help it. I mean, like, I mean, like honestly, it's, minor, I, minor, minor role. I couldn't recognize that as Josh Lucas. Like my brain wouldn't like, I was like, no, that's not. Cause he looks so not, he looks so old or something. And something that, I thought was actually very interesting. It was I I did a little bit of research on trying to find out how the Ford the Ford Motor Company actually how they feel about this movie. They don't like it. Oh yeah, you think <laughs> this movie doesn't make them look great? It, it's, it essentially assinuates that they made one of their drivers throw a race 
so the three of them could like come in looking good together. It, it's like insinuates that like Ford was literally just this like sycophantic like man child who was just trying to live up to daddy's legacy and was like threatening to fire everyone, even though they were a very profitable company because like they couldn't win a stupid fucking race or like they weren't popular enough uh, like with the kids these days. It makes them look like complete sycophants. Like like it does not make them look as good as a car company at all, especially mm -hmm. considering the uh, Christian Bale blows up in one of their cars and then dies in a blow up when the car blows up again, like later on mm -hmm. after the race. It was the weirdest coda to a film I've ever seen. You, he loses the race. You're like, okay, but he got to play, like whatever. We cut to like Matt Damon sort of giving like a like a end style monologue as we're fading out on the wild plains and Christian Bale's taking the car for a ride. And then in the distance, we just see like an explosion Smoke. happen. And the car just, Christian Bale's car just from far away just explodes into fiery nothingness and everyone starts running. And I was like, oh God, is the movie not over? Cause that's like um, a weird beat. I feel like that should be the climax of your movie or like, I don't, I don't know, or put that at the post credits, like put that as a little I, written text. I actually really liked how they showed it um, to be honest, because it, it didn't really make it seem like he didn't go out the, he, he went out the way he really wanted to. And fire car accident with his, leaving his wife, a widow and his child, like without a father. I don't know. Yes. Yes. He, we don't see him having that kind of death wish again because he's happy to retire. Yeah, no, he wants to retire. That, that, he has a line about like he's like he it's like that to die. It's the, yeah, that's when his wife to. knew he was gonna die. He's but like he it's just a matter of time. I, but thing is, I'm never gonna stop racing because this is who I am. But like he did say he was gonna stop racing. There's, oh, sorry. There's a big part of the film where he's like, I don't want to race anymore, and like it's not doing us any good as a family. So I'm gonna grow old and like get fat and happy with you. And she's like, Nah, I don't want that for us. But like he because, didn't have to die in a car he, crash. Okay, when he said that though, he didn't well, I I I took that conversation as I'm doing this for you. I, I'm suggesting this for you because and I knowing it would not make me happy. And she's like, but, no, fuck that. I know but, you would be horribly unhappy if you did this, if you did it got fat well, and, and hung well, out with did it, make, did it make matt damon horribly unhappy i mean matt damon also had to make that sacrifice for his health where he couldn't race anymore because his heart was going to explode mm -hmm. uh and yet he, and he was surprised like, because of it yeah and he, yeah and he but he's like his life isn't over because he had to stop racing he was able to do this tremendous thing with this other racer and sort of live vicariously through him and and not yeah. die in a fiery crash like Matt Damon really showed that there was an alternate solution and he didn't even have, as far as we saw, like a wife and kid, like at home. Mm hmm But he was always kind of regretful. He, like, he he was happiest in the car. And he said, I would rather, and he mentioned that he would have rather died in a car accident and Whoa. race rather than like not be in the car and be fearful was he time. fearful? Was he fearful? Like, I mean, sorry, was was Damon or any of them fearful? It's not like they were fearful. It's just like they, at the end of the day, he didn't die racing, right? He he died yeah. driving another one of Ford's cars that was experimental, mm -hmm. and it just blew up on him. Like, it's not like mm -hmm. he died during a race, like, with a tested yeah. car. He was just mm -hmm. doing some testing for this company that screwed yeah. him over already. Like, this company did him dirty. Why he kept working with them is Because beyond. he was getting paid a shitload of money. He's getting paid that's 200 not. bucks a week. Let's calm down. That's I know a, that's a lot. No, he would no, he was getting paid more than that, but that's all we're also can, we have to remember um it was because he, he had several raises by then. Um oh, really? they, 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 Yeah, it, it there were some conversations where he was uh but he was um he was given like um 
it was like almost like two thousand dollars a week or something like that. Okay, and we and remember, this is like, that goes far, but like, can yeah. I be honest, like, why did they even need him after that? Like, they could have just shook him loose. Like, I don't understand what they were even doing with this because guy who they like threw under the bus. Matt Damon's character was like, no one else can race like him. But like, they weren't it's racing anymore. Stuff. They were just like trying out different cars. They were just yeah, and that and he convinced them. He okay. Will, by convince him, he locked one of the Ford people in the office, and yeah. Well, here's the other thing, I guess, is like, why do they? Why are they so like confident about Matt Damon? Like, Matt Damon is a guy who I guess just sells cars for them. Like, I don't understand like why they think he's like the fucking solution to their problems either. Like, Barenthal has this one idea that this is what will save the company. There's a lot of pushback against that idea. Then they bring yeah. in Damon, who recommends bringing in Bale, and then they cut Bale loose, and Damon has to convince them to keep Bale goes back and forth like this basically the entire movie where like it's just clearly like it's clearly given to the audience that ford has no emotional connections to like doing the right thing here Ford is just a company they are mm -hmm. just looking at their bottom line they're looking at what's yeah. good for them and like they they're just gonna and matt damon even like or christian bale even says to matt damon or i know what matt damon says to christian bale like this company is just gonna screw you over no wait the other way christian bale is like they're just suits and they're gonna be nice to you and they're gonna shake your hand but then they're going to go back to their office and screw you over because they don't even know what else to do. That's like the only thing they know how to do is screw you over. But I, and that's kind of like, I don't know, like I felt like that was my takeaway from this movie was I didn't feel triumphant about anything these men did with these their lives because they sacrificed them for like the good of this car company. I, don't I, know. I yeah, I absolutely agree to a certain extent. I don't think of it as that it was a sacrifice on their end. It was just this was the company that was paying them to do something they loved. They right. didn't care that if it was with Ford. Okay. It just so happened to be Ford. <laughs> um, okay. But Ford was but, like actively malicious to them. Like we can't deny yeah. that. Right. They, they caused yeah. them to, they caused it's, them the race. It's not like, it's not like any, many other companies at the time were knocking down their doors and wanting to hire them. At least I mean, least after that race, they should have been Ferrari should have been like knocking his doors down with the Italian cappuccino saying like, you're fucking the Ford is full of sons Would you like of Let us uh, take you to Italy. I loved that scene with that guy just being like, uh, <laughs> you're all sons of whores. Also your boss is not uh, Henry Ford. He is Henry Ford the second. And I was like, oh, damn. And then Tracy Letts is like, tell me what he said. And he's like, he just said we were sons of whores. And he's like, what about me? And he's like, said that you were fat. And he's like, what else? Because like he already knows what it's going to be. And he's just sitting there waiting for it. And he's like, he said, you're not Henry uh, Henry Ford. You're Henry Ford II. And Tracy Letts' face just becomes this like mask of, of pain and anguish. And I was like, well, did you know what was coming? Or did you not know what was coming? Did you think he was going to say that? Or did you not think he was going to say that? I mean, that's. It's a weird thing, Ford. I mean, should you care that much what Ferrari thinks about you when they're bankrupt? Let it go. But they just keep winning. <laughs> yeah, but they're bankrupt. So, like, when Fiat buys them, I mean, the deal is that Fiat just, like, lets them keep the racer, which yeah. I guess is the whole point of why uh, Ford wants them. They want to buy the race win. Um, I do want to highlight oh, something DCD put in the chat. He did a, a handful of comments talking, um, uh, highlighting, mentioning, saying, this is arguably Christian Bale's best performance of his career and the lack of best actor nom for him and a nom for Matt Damon. I'd switch those personally, just based on the amount of screen time they get. And it's actually more from Matt Damon's point of view, his character at least. And John Berthal, always excellent, awesome comment. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. Bell's doing such a great job. But I feel like that's partly because Christian Bell, like again, it seems like so unnatural to hear him doing his regular accent. You're like, what is this? Like it sounds yeah. bonkers to hear I, him speak in like a real voice. I actually, when I heard his accent, it didn't like come across as English to me, as British or Welsh, I guess to me. Just because I, I kept thinking it doesn't make sense, so it can't be British. Yeah, no, it's he's he's straight on British, but he's like David Tennant. Like you know how Tennant is like. No, 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 no. I, I, like, I understand he is, but his character yeah. wasn't English, oh. as far as I know. Ken Miles's character wasn't English. There was like no mention from what I remember of England. Yeah, well, him and, they're constantly talking about how he's British and like how they want to go back, or like they constantly talk about like chips and like whatever. He speaks in British vernacular constantly throughout the film, and his wife is British. So like that doesn't make sense. Oh, I totally spaced out on that then. Forget me. His wife is British, and they talk about chips and like mates and stuff. Like it's they talk in vernacular that's British. It is weird that they never address the fact that he is like a British dude in 1950s, like post-war, living in America, running a mechanic like auto shop. Like that's just like a weird thing, and they never detail about how he get got there, why his kid like. like when they moved or why they moved, they just don't get into it mm-hmm. unless I miss something. Yeah, it's definitely out of focus uh, for sure. And I guess we don't and need to know, but like, what's his name? What was his real life name? Ken Miles? Ken Miles. Mm-hmm. Ken Miles. Wow, that's a great last name for a that's driver. That's a great name for a racer, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's a great name. Um, Adam, it's like Adam Driver. Um, yeah. Ken um, Miles, let's see. British BC. sports racing, sports car racing engineer. Um, he is a uh, death. Let's see what his death. Oh God. Oh God. This is bad. After the death of somebody in one of the J car Ford w- while testing at Le Mans. So somebody died while testing one of these cars. The decision was made to shelve the J car and focus on the MK twos and little development was done for the 1966 world sports car championship season. Um, after a day of testing at Riverside international in the brutally hot Southern California desert summer weather miles approached the end of the track downhill back straight at a top speed of 200 miles plus hours when the car suddenly looped flipped and crashed and caught fire it broke into pieces and ejected miles killing him instantly and the as a result the aerodynamics of the j car were greatly modified to correct the rear end lift generated at race speeds ford executives under pressure after the second of two fatal accidents in the program in five months also ordered a NASCAR-style steel tube rollover cage to be installed in future versions of the car. What? Two deaths in five months. Fuck that. I mean, like, yeah. fuck that, man. No, it's no, It's a very no, no. difficult, it's a very hard career to be a part of, for sure, if you're a driver. Um, yeah. Uh, BCD, he mentions, I am not sure if I love the last 10 minutes. With Damon still grieving the loss of his friend, maybe this could be referenced in the end credits. It feels a bit tacked on, but still a good ending. My dude, you forget that Matt Damon at this point is still looking for an Oscar. Yeah. In, acting, in the acting categories. An acting Oscar. I mean, so, uh, has Matt Damon he, ever won? Did he win for something? No. He guess, won, well, he won an Oscar for writing, obviously. For yeah, he won the Go to Hunting Oscar. Yeah, I know that. But um, yeah. that's right. Has, I guess he's never won. Never. I think, yeah, I I think it's, uh, he should have been at least in the conversation for when he did Talented Mr. Ripley or. Oh God, that's like one of my something. favorite movies. I don't know why I love that movie. Oh, oh no, you know I what? agree too. It's like straight up like Hannibal. Like, you know, the, the books that they're based on are like Hannibal in the sense that like it becomes a book series about this guy who uh, works with 
he, like he's a serious like he's Ripley, but he like works with detectives and becomes like his own kind of detective that works with police to help find other serial killers. So he's a serial mm-hmm. killer who finds other serial killers, and like that's so cool. They're gonna have a show about it starring John Malkovich a little while ago, like a couple years ago. Love to see um, that because Ripley is a great character. Or, or like catch me if you can. Yeah, I yeah, but it, right because he does both. He impersonates people mm-hmm. and then he also murders them. Uh, great movie really Mm -hmm. fantastic performance by damon who yeah he turns in fantastic performances a lot you know people always say Mm -hmm. that um jesse plemons when he was on breaking bad they would call him meth damon but i actually think that's actually it kind of goes the opposite way too matt damon can sort of do the roles that jesse plemons does sometimes he can like tap into that you know like the informant and stuff like that he can tap into this like kind of schlubby weird character that you don't associate with like being a movie star like him and ben affleck have very divergent careers in terms of uh like yeah. what they take in terms of the acting roles they choose i do think that matt damon's a very underrated actor he he gets a lot of i think flack for his like he he's very particular with the kind of characters that he um that he does he doesn't do so much the weird characters anymore such as the informant or like talents mr ripley or anything like that he does much more characters that have a very specific message such as like the martian this he he likes playing good guys i mean i don't know i i feel like that's that's kind of, i mean he he kind of like does a mix right because he, he does like working with link letter and doing like weird stuff like i would say that he likes doing half and half like he does uh more so yeah, you play like a like a re, like a grimy character, like a I real mean, duel, Like he's not playing like a, a great looking dude in that. I guess it's Driver who's the bad guy, but like he doesn't. Which look, one? The the last duel that's out right now. Oh, actually, yeah, you're right. I haven't seen that duel, but yeah, you're totally right. Uh, he's definitely uh, from what I, mean, I like think he's, he's definitely a character that is stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or his wife gets raped. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but it doesn't look like he's a. He just looks like he's like a, I don't know. He He's just a guy who I think makes interesting choices. And I think BCD is right. He doesn't mm-hmm. always pick like the most obvious film. Yeah. To do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember him being in Interstellar, but his role in that is so small. Yeah. But he's a bad guy I, or not bad guy, but he's, he's a cowardly dude who almost gets him killed. Yeah. He gets he's a very cowardly him. dude. I mean, he, 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 it just kind of felt like he was like, it was like one of those situations where he's like, Hey, I just really want to be in a Christopher Nolan movie. Hey, Nolan, can, if you have any oh. extra space <laughs> at you know all, he, you know what he was actually great as the villain in is the departed. He was great in the departed. Very true. He was, he was the fucking that, bad guy in that movie. I would love to see him in more roles like that. Um, It's so, it's, that one in particular, I think it's it takes the right director and to work with Damon to kind of get that kind of out of him. Uh, he did Stillwater uh, this year, which, oh God, it looks like the other one, right? Um, yeah, Stillwater, he he plays a guy trying to get his daughter out of prison in Italy. Right, okay. Um, Suburbicon, I never saw. That also looked very good. Like the one that the, the George Clooney movie that uh, was oh, the no, Clooney movie. That movie's trash. Oh no, it's awful. Okay, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of downsized. I'm thinking of downsized. George Clooney is a horrible director. Oh, don't, don't, because also he did one movie that was very good, and that's one movie. Good night and good luck. He did, he did uh, Confessions of uh, was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is very good. Okay, I I've not seen that one, but I'll take your word for it. But from what I've seen 
a heavy, heavy, heavy majority of his movies that he's directed. Yikes. Wait, what is the um, difference between Downsizing and, and I'm talking, I guess I thought they were um, the same movie. But they both what? came out in 2017, but they're totally different movies. Downsizing and Suburbicon, I thought they were the same film. The Alexander Payne one where he Honestly, becomes a tiny yeah, person. I'm not surprised. So, so, um, Downsizing was a weird movie. It's, I understand the message, but it, it's it's not. I don't think it's it's a movie that had vision, but it lacked. It had a lot of problems. Um, the that were very obvious. Suburbicon? That's crazy. And no, it's- um, Oh no, I'm I'm referring to. Uh, oh no, I know you're talking about. Other one. I'm just kind of jumping back and forth, but like these two yeah. movies came out directly after each other, and this is like crazy. So Suburbicon was bad, and like, yeah. and Downsizing had some good ideas, but was ultimately like not great. It was really, really, um, really awful, and it was kind of like a similar tone as as Don't Look Up, where the, a lot of the themes were very overt. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it had themes on regarding climate change, uh, themes on, um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, it was like for the environment, uh, as far as like money management, um, hmm. talks about salinity. There's a there's a lot of ideas thrown into that movie, and some of them panned out, and some of them didn't. Where mm-hmm. they kind of like stopped the ball halfway through, trying to get their message out, and yeah, they didn't really focus very effectively on it. The comet, um, and there was a comet. Yeah, and versus like, don't look up. It's much more specific to that idea. Comments, <laughs> um, comments. But yeah, the Monuments Men sucks. The Monuments Men. Oh, that's that, that's another movie. Uh, George Clooney also did that one, right? Oh yeah, he did do it. Uh, the, the cast is amazing, amazing. You got John Goodman. You got. Um, Kate Blanchett. You've got so many amazing people in this movie, and it's about a bunch of art nerds going into Paris during World War II to save art. He did The Ides of March, which was written by my friend. Uh, he did Leatherheads, uh, and oh. he directed... Wait, Good Night and Good Luck is a very good movie, though. And he did that's, that. He yeah, that's, that's the one good one that I've seen by Confessions him. And, Confessions and Good Night are both good. I think the rest of them kind of suck, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I haven't seen The Midnight Sky yet, though. Hmm. I don't know. I don't... Yeah, that was the one that was, like, supposed to be kind of, like, also, like, the one you were just talking about, right? Like, that's the one that's all about something in the sky coming to Earth. Yeah, don't watch it. No, don't do Okay, it. I will not. I will not. <laughs> if there's Check ever a George Clooney slice in Shimodown, I'm sure this will be I very good. I directed that one, The American, that he was in. He didn't direct that? I guess not. I guess um, not. The I American. I think, I think that was it. Yeah, I thought he directed it, but I guess not. Um, so, Alex, as we wind down on this on this, on this this mangled, what, what do we think about him? Like, what's the takeaway here? Uh, Mangled is one of those directors that no matter what, I will be ex- now, I think I will be excited about no matter what he's making. I will be curious about it just because he creates he creates stories that I feel like I sh- would not typically be into, but he makes them interesting to me. Like, again, typically I would not be interested in Wolverine. I'm not into in. But he made me interested in Wolverine. I don't care about Westerns all that much. But he really made me love 310 to fucking Yuma. Jesus, do I love 310 to Yuma. Oh, God, that was, like, the best movie of all time. Oh, so fun good. Same for Logan. Um, uh, I don't care about Johnny Cash. He made me care about Johnny Cash. 
but also mm-hmm. I found him to be like the least interesting part of that movie, <laughs> ironically mm-hmm. enough. Um, with June Carter being much more interesting to me. But mm-hmm. um, but again, he has this um uh, ability to really make me care about characters and stories that I typically am not into or stories that I'm into. Because like, again, I'm not into sports sports movies or biopics all that much or um, sports dramas mm-hmm. and let alone racing. And he really made me actually care about a lot of these characters. I found myself tearing up at the very end for sure. Personally. I mean, I really thought it were, it was, it was a pretty, a pretty good film. I understand like what, <laughs> what it was doing. And I, I liked it. I mean, I liked it. It wasn't my favorite movie that I've seen, but it, it's, I like James Mangold. I will say that. I I do like James Mangold. What are you hoping, what would you love to see him do with a, with a new project? Oh, that's hard. That's really hard, Alex. Um, it's Or alternatively, I know that's a really big question. So while you kind of rally that, is there any particular genre that you would love to see him tackle next since we have seen him do quite a variety of stuff? I think I would like to see... I like to see him go back to the girl interrupted kind of thing. I really like that vibe uh, of, of girl interrupted. You know, it felt like that was correct. That felt right. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like that. I want him to go back to like focusing somewhat. I don't want to be that kind of person, but like, yeah, focusing on like more of women's stuff. And I feel like that's very I, good for him. I feel like it, it helps him to sort of get out of his comfort zone. And so I'm interested in watching the new Indiana Jones because I think that will be good for him in terms of uh, in terms of working with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that she'll be able to maybe get him out of the comfort zone a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I'd want. I can definitely see that. I think he's also a lot more confident with than before with um, female characters as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think, when he does include female characters he likes strong-willed independent characters uh where and i and i say where they don't necessarily have to be like independent as in on their own because they women can female characters can be independent um and have their own thoughts and everything outside of their partners and everything like june carter i feel like she's a very independent character even though she is so attached to uh johnny cash um and i do think he's getting a lot more confident especially like obviously kate and leopold was a learning experience (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i think that very it was just that he kind of learned from that he learned from his mistakes he started writing a lot more characters or just filming more interesting female characters that are more confident that are okay with troubleshooting that can hold their own up against Mm -hmm. uh the male characters in the movie uh, again katriana's character the wife she's not a huge she's not a huge character in the movie however she is comfortable going with going toe to toe with her husband mm-hmm. and she can tell him what's up and they yeah. have a, they have a really interesting dynamic as a couple and i think that really pulls through and night and day not a great movie however again mm-hmm. she it's about a female character really learning and going toe-to-toe with Tom Cruise's character. June Carter, Johnny Cash. So I'm excited to see possibly Marion Ravenwood or another female character in Indiana Jones, Indiana Ravenwood, potentially. 
No, you're so excited about that. that. Um, yeah, I think that like, I, I really like, uh, his stuff. I feel like I was not let down, but like, I feel like I was, uh, uh, I feel like I was a little bit sort of like, oh, I expected maybe a little bit more from him in terms of a broader range of interesting female characters, but I'm not going to judge everything based on, on that soul item. Uh, I just, yeah, yeah, it was a little disappointing at some points. I was like, oh, well, where's like the stronger, like, like the sort of character that she was uh, or June Carter was, you know, mm-hmm. something, but like framed separately than just the wife. The Girl Interrupted really yeah. set my hopes high that there were going to be other kind of uh, movies that focused more on the female experience than, mm-hmm. than there ended up being. I mean, Logan had a great, like you said, like Logan had a great female character, but the story wasn't really about her. Um, yes. Yeah, so it wasn't. That's what yeah, absolutely. It, it wasn't so much about Daphne Keene's character with Laura. However, she's, again, she's a learning character, a developing yeah. character where... And she's she, great. Don't get me wrong. I love her in this. I love this for her. so interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it's, like, you know, like uh, centering the story, reframing it, like sort of how BCD was saying, like, oh, yeah, I forgot that Matt Damon does the voiceover. That kind of makes him the main character. Like, I kind of need that a little bit more from him. Like, I need some stories that focus other than these, like, like loner dudes out like on a mission to like save the farm or get their son's respect or whatever it is this week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it's really interesting if you look back at heavy being the first thing that he did, like when you look at heavy, like heavy is a very strange movie in his very. oeuvre as it were like a heavy is about a, a movie where nothing happens. We're just a, a sort of overweight guy pines after Liz Taylor or Liv Taylor for the entire movie and like ultimately does not get with her. Like it's such a yeah. strange non-Mangoldian movie, but I think it speaks to a lot more of the, um, maybe like the, the sort of masculinity crisis that he ends up like sort of papering over with like that, the action movies and stuff like that. Or not papering yeah. over, but you know what I mean? Like it's, I, I find that kind of exploration of masculinity so much more interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe not that specific movie, but just the question of that kind of exploration is more interesting to me than just having people go fight, fight or room, room. You know, I do think what's interesting about these movies as well. BCD actually, he actually, he actually typed it up uh, before I'd get a chance to mention it. But a lot of these characters really deal with friendships of between mm-hmm men uh, older men and i know it kind of mentions parental father figure i disagree with that one specifically with it being father figure but it's they they a lot of them deal with the like male friendships in particular 310 to yuma for example between christian bill and russell crowe's character there's a developing sense of respect between them yeah oh, I, mean, I, I, could see, I could see logan and uh and logan has like several father layers to it uh you know there's, there's a couple of things there even like mm-hmm. yeah, maybe like the wolverine or something no not really no. i'm trying to, i'm trying to make it work for you dude but like logan uh, obviously had some clear father figure parallels yeah. there between him and professor x and between him and the girl there was mm-hmm. a lot to unpack there i feel like there was so much to unpack in logan it could have been like more of like his he could have done more logans than i would have been happy he could have honestly. He he could be like Matthew Vaughn. How Matthew Vaughn literally has directed the entire, <laughs> or sorry, uh, yeah, Matthew franchise Vaughn, of um, like Golden Circle and uh, the most recent one. I can't remember. What it's yeah, called. And he, he goes and he gets to go back and remake Kickass, a movie that he already directed, which is like pretty funny. 
I know, and it's it's. But I I would be totally okay with where if yeah, Mangold no, was like, yeah, fuck it. I, I love Hollywood these characters. Was. I love these characters. I love these actors. Let me just hang out and do. And, and by the way, I'm not that. trying to say that like everybody needs to get like woke or like go do movies about women yeah. because they they have, don't have enough movies about women. I'm saying specifically because he did Girl Interrupted, and it was such mm -hmm. a interesting quieter exploration about like a crisis that was happening, like yeah. a, a crisis of self. But it was done from such like a nuanced perspective. And I felt like that was such an early movie for him. And I just don't understand like why we didn't, why the rest of his movies have been focused almost exclusively on like the experience of being like this manly man when it feels mm -hmm. like he, or like to these, this sort of like silly rom-com caper things, or like, it feels like he never really took it as seriously as he did in Girl Interrupted or like came as close to recognizing that like the female experience can be a lot like, like the male crisis of self. And yeah, yeah. Um, BCD is bringing up, yeah, the male friendship is like this important part of it. I thought Fifty Tenta Yuma is like the best one of those. Like, it's just such a fucking great oh, movie God. about these two guys that you're like, you know, me and Alex, I don't think are the biggest Western fans out there, but like that movie just makes you want to watch all the Westerns. Like, it just does. I, I literally watched the old one like right before and I was like, hot damn, this is really good. And really I, good. the original Three Tenta Yuma, I think it's actually a solid Western. I really enjoy that Western. Um, it, it just highlights different things. Mm -hmm. um, like it, in the original, there's this, there's a, um, Ben Wade's character. He has a romantic relationship with a, with a barmaid where they have a history. And there's a lot more focus on that. And also Christian, where um, the the other guy's character, I can't feel bad if I can't remember his name, but Christian Bell played him in the remake. But he has a, he has a much more complicated and refreshing and loving affectionate relationship with his wife in the movie and in the remake it's nothing there's nothing yeah no there's a couple lines about it <laughs> That's all. There's yeah, there's nothing. Nothing. i agree uh there's not much there. it's mostly about him and his son again it's like this yeah. this father-son kind of mentality yeah i i do think it's uh i do think it's important to highlight um non-toxic male friendships as well in yeah. a movie. I mean, in, in similar, I mean, just adult friendships as well, because a lot of friendships in movies are all about romance or um, especially if it's between a man and a woman. Like, mm -hmm. it's so rare to find like a purely platonic friendship adult oh, right. friendship between a man and a woman and, and, and honestly girl interrupted had the inverse of that right like it had a really yeah. like what's fascinating girl interrupted is this character study of these two uh young women who are dealing with yeah. their shit but like also trying to be friends with one another and the dynamic of that female friendship which is also as toxic as like fucking yeah. yellow jackets or something but like is a fascinating character study for like all the women involved and like honestly like angelina mm -hmm. deserved that oscar for for the role and, like sorry oh 100 yeah right right so, like, I'm saying, like, he can do it, and it just feels like once you prove that you can do it, like, maybe you can keep doing it or don't stop doing it. Um, you don't have to. Clearly, this maybe, is my take on it. Maybe Copland. Oh, yeah, Copland. I forgot about you lovely lady. Hey, Brennan. Nice to Hi, see Brennan. you. Um, um, but, yeah, Copland. Yeah, I, think Copland. Like, I forgot about Copland. Copland. Yeah, he, just, he was just like, I love Cop Copland so much. I love these all these hyper-masculine characters and these, these characters dudes, like, dudes. Up and learning and everything i just want to make more of like, that copland was so fun i forgot about copland copland was like 
because you know what Copland has that like none of the other ones that he did have it had that like it had that like large cast conspiracy thing going on where it's like yes no you, there's so many characters it's almost like scorsese-esque or like francis for yes. Coppola or something like it just has this scope to it where it's, you're like whoa like everyone's in on the grift and like his movies usually have a very one person pov and like that one person is sort of detective being out what's going on like when you look at like wolverine or logan or mm-hmm. like anything like matt damon even having like a voiceover in this movie but like Copland is like you're just getting the sense that like this thing is so much it's like Chinatown it's like this thing is so much bigger than him uh and that's a kind of cool out of control aspect to it it definitely feels like one of the most Scorsese it feels like a Scorsese movie without actually being Scorsese yeah it's like it's doing like a TikTok thing of like tell me you love Scorsese and want to be him without telling me you love Scorsese and want to be him or how many you just like his TikTok is just making movie Copland you got everything doing its thing yeah exactly that's a good tiktok guys someone do that well also okay well drew um specifically what what was your favorite movie directed by james Bangold? god was it copland i think no it was 310 to yuma 310 to yuma was just so dope uh and and 310 to yuma because it moved my bar like Logan, like I, I, by the time I watched it, I think I was expecting like it to be very good because of the way everyone talked about it. I was just very resistant to it. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it was going to be good once I watched it. Yeah. Like no one told me I was going to have to like 310 to Yuma. In fact, like nothing in my body or soul told me that like I should even be paying attention when that movie was on. Cause a lot of times I'm like only half paying attention. Uh, but that movie just gripped me and like held me close and like never let me go. Like that movie just had me. From the moment it started to like the moment it ended, I was completely absorbed in it. And like for that reason, and because it's a um because it's a uh genre that is not like really for me, uh and generally doesn't speak to me, I feel like that might be his best film. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And with that with that pick, it was for me, it was between 310 Yuma and Logan, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was just surprised at how quickly. I was like, all the other, and there's a handful of others that are good. Girl Interrupted, this one, um, and all this other stuff. But I was like, it's clearly one of these two. Um, but yeah, 310 Yuma, it's not, like you said, not only a genre that I was very taken aback by how much I enjoyed for something I don't have a history of liking ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very sad, sensitive movie mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of great individual performances uh in it as well that i was surprised by not just ben foster although <laughs> apparently that's like everyone's favorite character <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> from what i remember like they were like auctioning off his like clothing items or something <laughs> mm-hmm. people love that character <laughs> but like yeah russell crowe's character really really took me aback and he's just he's just one of those actors we don't really see all that much of nowadays mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah and he's just so charismatic and he's so calm and he's also one of those um character actors that he's kind of like al pacino in a way where he's he does these loud characters he's like ah with the big with the big voices with the big monologues but he's it's all about the subtlety in his character in that movie. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated it. 
Um, yeah, I really loved I really loved uh some of these movies. I I 310 to Yuma, like I can see how you would walk out of this with like a huge feeling about it. Like I can see it. Like I get it and I'm not begrudging anybody of that. It's just uh it didn't work for me quite quite as well, I don't think. Yeah. But uh I still think it's a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I guess I guess that's all I kind of have to say about James Mangold. At the end of the day, I was I was thinking that it was going to be kind of like a little bit different, but I'm I'm not going to say I was disappointed by it, but I was just kind of surprised about like how yeah. how much or how little some of this impacted me, and whereas others impact me, like like Three Ten impacted me so greatly. Like Logan was so mm-hmm. great, you know, but some of it just like did not hit the same way I thought it would be. So I'm interested in like, seeing how his next one's going to work for me. Like Girl Interrupted, I was very surprised at how much or how little. Yeah. Uh, the movie. How much, how little, um, comparatively, I liked the movie compared to when I was younger, I guess. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of extra things that I picked up on that I was not a fan of. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of crazy how that kind of works. So, out. Alex, now that we're going on to our, our ending, our main golden age, what are we, what are we going on to next? Because I know we're going to be taking, we're doing, we're doing a little bit of a shaking up from our, format that we start here well guys we're gonna be going with uh well next week in particular uh we are gonna be actually focusing on me yours truly Mm -hmm. for quite a little bit um Mm -hmm. this past year i worked really hard to hit my goal of watching 300 movies um watching 300 movies is actually not that hard however these were 300 movies that I had not seen before. I'm not talking about any rewatches because I would have obviously, I would probably see closer to 500 movies if I included rewatches and shit. But um, yeah, these were all movies that I had not seen before. So next week we're going to be diving into my top 10 favorite movies. Um, first watch uh, movies from the last year that I really loved. But we're also going to be diving into probably like our top 10 movies that uh, that I watched I mean like top 10 period movies from last year and I'm sure Drew a lot of them are a handful of them are going to be like recent releases as well so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see Drew's opinions I get really excited about movies y'all crazy did not know that do you have opinions on movies and stuff occasionally occasionally (laughs) I do um, we are also going to be having an awesome guest coming on the week after on the 18th. Um, her name is uh, Ross Evans, and we're going to be coming uh, covering Matinee. So, oh, my God. I, think- I haven't seen that movie in so long. I'm so excited about Matinee. I've never so seen excited. it before. Oh, my God. It is. I forget who the dude is in it, but it's John Goodman as the mm-hmm. runner of a – it feels like a Peter Weir film, but it might not be. Um, I know it's released like, in like early mid nineties, I believe. Yeah, I definitely saw it in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. It's a great film. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I'm not gonna like stake my life on it, but if I remember correctly, it's a great film. Mm-hmm. I, well, I can't wait. Yeah, so we're gonna be. It's gonna be really fun having a guest on again to kind of chat about that movie. She gave us quite a, an eclectic mix of movies to select, which I was very excited about, including like Ghibli's Whisper of the Heart, House of Flying Daggers, Run Little Run, Matinee, and a few others. So she definitely has an interesting collection of favorites. But she is a horror writer. She is a movie critic. Evan Ross, so definitely check her out on Twitter. So yeah, yeah it's gonna be a fun great. time. 
for me, it's a big start, and I'm really excited to see what we're gonna have going on because yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna messing with the formula for like for a little bit. We're gonna be trying out different things, and I'm really excited to have you sort of share your uh, your giant list from last year. And like now, I kind of have to do one of my own. Like I have to make my own list. Of, I mean, like how did you choose your 300 movies or whatnot? What? How did you choose your list of movies for last year? Um, you mean it's as far as like what to watch? Yeah. I just was trying to find movies that were available <laughs> on my streaming okay. services where I didn't have to pay additionally for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a handful of them like uh, for Cinema Bias that I had to pay to watch. Like a 310 Yuma, I had to like buy it in order to watch it. And same for Compland, I think I had to buy it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Cinema I- Bias is, uh, eats into my, uh, eats into my um, <laughs> budget for the year. I'm going to write it off my taxes. <laughs> But but there was like a lot of movies uh, like HBO Max. They really had a huge emphasis on um, a lot of classic movies that I've been wanting to watch for a while. And mm-hmm. um, there is a, a bunch of uh, foreign films that Netflix was really pushing for a while. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm gonna try to do like one of these a day too because like I just saw in the uh, or in the eyes of Tammy Faye or the eyes of Tammy Faye, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I need to get back on my my ass about Letterboxd. Uh, and start mm-hmm. like like making a list of things that I've seen in 2022, because yeah. um, it's like yeah I've seen a couple things now and I'm already forgetting what they were. I saw this movie. I saw The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I feel like something else I saw had Garfield in it that wasn't Spider Man, uh, but something else. I've been watching a bunch of films. We'll figure it out. But mostly, Alex, I've been watching a show that I'd like to quickly touch on before we head Is out. Is it something to do with bees or what? Kind of. Yes. <laughs> It is. It is the show Yellow Jackets. And guys, if you were around in the mid-90s, maybe perhaps remember the name of uh, Christina Ricci. Uh, she was Wednesday Adams. She was um, she was in Casper with Devin Sawa, who's also kind of oh. making a comeback. She was sort of a goth girl's uh, dream. And she was somebody oh, yeah. I very much looked up to when I was a, when I was a kid. And she, she is in- back. She's back with a hardcore vengeance in the show Yellow Jackets on Showtime, which if you have oh, not cool. checked out, May I suggest checking it out? It's sort of like remember that movie we watched Alive, written by John Patrick Shanley. It's like that meets Heather's meets like um, Midsummer, like but like done in this very like ironic, <laughs> like hilarious, dark way, and it's great. And like everyone should be watching it. And Christina Ricci's character because they flash forward between the plane crash incident with these girls, the, so- the soccer team that got crashed into the side of a mountain in the Canada. Yeah. And maybe had to resort to some crazy ass things. And then them as adults, uh, like Melanie Linsky, Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, and uh, this one other actress. And Christina Ricci is putting on a performance that is like, it's like out of this world, man. She's she's back, baby. So I really recommend seeing it if you like dark, weird shit. Um, I so that's my it's, recommendation. Like it's on Showtime, right? It's on Showtime. I liked it so much that I basically slid into the creator's DMs and like, we're going to go have drinks when she's back in town. (laughs) That's how much I love that show. I was just like, shut up. Like, hey, be my friend. I hope that that's not weird. Please bring her on. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my God. She's the, I mean, when you have a header image on your Twitter profile, that's a picture from Welcome to the Dollhouse, you know, I'm going to be reaching out to you. Oh gosh. We know that we have a shared, we know that we have a shared trauma in our history if we're both having, <laughs> we both love welcome the dollhouse. Yeah. Um so yeah, um what what else do you got going on, Alex? Uh we got anything else we want to plug? 
Well, I haven't decided whether or not I want to do another movie challenge for the year or anything like that. Um, just because this this past year was it was a lot easier, uh, just because I had a lot less going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but this upcoming year, I have a lot more going on um, between work and some other stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm not going to be able to have as much time. So I'm not entirely sure whether or not I should do some kind of movie challenge. So, ooh, I think you should. I think you should do a movie challenge, and I think I should like keep up with you on it. I think that'd be fun. Maybe it doesn't or- have to be like as you see BCD saying from much inspiration from Alex. I'm going to try to watch 200 new movies this year. 300 might be a bit of a challenge, especially for my mental health. God knows. I understand. Yeah. So hoping the 200 will be a good goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I might do a challenge. I don't know what the challenge will be. Maybe it's just keeping track of which movies I've seen. So that would <laughs> be a fun challenge. I, it's a little bit easy. All I did when I came to a challenge, I didn't write like actual full-on uh, reviews or anything. I just put like the stars and where I watched it as okay. well. Because I was always, like, frustrated when people would be like, oh, watch this movie. And I'm like, okay, where do I watch it? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, dude, That's on. not helpful. That's not yeah. helpful. Or it's, or it's like, um, exclusively through a service. Like, or if it's, um, like, one of those things where it's, like, it's only through, you can only watch it on DVD or something. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, damn, I'm not watching, buying the DVD for this. Yeah. Like, it's I, expensive. I feel you. Um, as for me, uh, you can find me over at Video Drew across all social platforms. I have, a, I have a Patreon that I don't plug that regularly, but please sign up for it because I certainly could use it. Uh, it is patreon.com backslash Video Drew, and we do fun things like uh, have people come on Cinema Bias occasionally. And then no. we know that for a little bit, but we will be going back to doing that again. We do the Video Chronic Pop Culture quizzes. We do study sessions. Uh, it's just a good time had by all. Also, guys, if you want to check out uh, my podcast network, it's Content Candy. That's like content, like, um, you know, the stuff that you watch and candy, like nom noms. So Content Candy, it's nom noms for your ears, as I like to say. And you can check that out uh, by going to wherever you find. uh, You can find like uh, shows on there, like Garmin Shows with me and Lon Harris. You can find shows that are are existing, like Cinema Bias. I could tell my dogs are about to freak out. Um, but you just find it wherever you find podcasts, go to content candy and look for it and you'll find it. It's not that hard. I believe in you. (laughs) Also, please let us know what, uh, content creators or what have you, you would love to see on cinema bias via Twitter. Uh, that would be really, really fantastic. And by extension, what movies, screenwriters you would love to, see, or directors you would love to see us cover in the future? Um, like uh, Drew mentioned earlier, we are going to be trying something different over the next few weeks. However, we might go. We also might be focusing on some other uh, directors and whatnot in the near future as well. So mm-hmm. let us know who you want us to cover, ma'am. Make it happen. Yeah, tell us. Let us know. We will like check it out. Always expand, happy to expand our horizons. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I guess that's it for us, folks. We will see you again next week with our very special guest. And uh, we look forward... Wait, is that next week or is it the week after? That's the week after. Okay, mm-hmm. so next week we're doing uh, one of your movies. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, yeah, we're just... We're not even going to be covering a movie. We're just going to be chatting about our lists and movies of 2021. Yeah. Loved movies we hated, whatever the fuck we want to talk about, essentially. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm into okay. it. Okay. Um, we'll see you guys later and have a good rest of your week and sayonara.
Bye. Au revoir.